show. I'm your host, Elise, and welcome to my apartment in the middle of Manhattan on the Upper East Side, where people are putting their Christmas decorations up early, BTW, looking very delightful. Um, Okay, episode 18, we're talking about work, office romances. Do you navigate them? How do you navigate them? Do you do them, not do them? I met my ex-husband at work, so I'm going to tell you about that. Face oils, we're doing a little beauty talk, a little coffee talk little beauty talk. Okay, face oils. I was using a serum. I thought it was an oil, and then I read about oils, and then I'm like, am I using a serum? And I don't even know. I was like a train wreck of face creams, okay? So (laughs) we're talking about face oils and how exactly to use them because I did not know until I spoke to my dermatologist. Um, And then holiday recipes, lasagna. So a couple weeks ago, I talked about um, like a first course tortellini soup thing if you ever wanted to do on Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve, whatever. But now, I'm going to tell you what the Italians do, which is serve lasagna for your first course, really at any holiday. So I'm telling you how I make mine. So take a sip of your drink, relax, maybe it's LaCroix, maybe it's an extra dirty dirty, maybe it's a neat scotch, I don't even know what that is, I just think it sounds fabulous, and enjoy talking to me, Elise. Okay, fact of the day, I love this fact, and you are going to love this fact because it's just the cutest thing. Otters, you know, sea otters, they're so cute. Well, they're known, here's the fact, they're known for holding hands in groups. And they're called a raft. So while they eat, they sleep, they rest, they hold hands, and they, it prevents their little otter family from losing each other. Is that not the cutest thing you've ever heard? It's true. And if there's no families around, which would be sad because they're a lonely sea otter then, they are, uh, they, they wrap their... They wrap their hands around sea plants to, to secure a bond. I just think that's so cute. Don't you? It's like a little baby. Oh, my God. Excuse me. God. Who sneezes in the middle of pause? What are you going to do? If you got to sneeze, you got to sneeze. If you got to go, you got to go. Anyway, bless me. Excuse me. So how are you? How are you doing? Are you good? You know what I was thinking about? I wanted to run by you. I wanted to know if you want to hear guests. So for those of you that that listen to the podcast or regularly listen, thank you, by the way. Um, You know, this is like a solo podcast, a solo cast, I guess they call it or something. But I could bring on guests. You know, I talk about money and and food and all that kind of stuff. And there's really good books that I love and I swear by, the money books or whatever. I've talked about before. I could bring on some of those authors and, you know, interview them or just have a conversation with them. Or, um, hello, since I'm a stand-up, I have hilarious comedian friends. Do you want me to bring some of them on and talk? One of my friends, hi, Mike. Um, I don't think he's listening, but hi, Mike. He's so funny. And I'm always talking about dating, you know, and from the, my perspective, the female perspective. And he's always talking about it from the man's perspective. So, you know, I could bring on these, 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 these funny people. Let me know if you want me to bring some guests on. I think it could jazz it up a little bit. I tried to talk to my girlfriends to see if they would be, my single friends, to see if they would be interested in coming on. And they were like, are you fucking kidding me? You talk all over the internet, Elise. You think I'm going to go on your podcast? I'm going to change your voice. Who cares? Who gives a shit? Change your, change your name. Change your voice. And they're like, no, we're not changing our voice. We're, we're not. It's crazy. But... I would like them to come on, my real real friends, but they don't want to talk about their business so in public, so I guess I have to respect that. So you'll just hear about their business from me. Sorry, girls. 
Anyway, so I was out and about the other day on the Upper West Side, and I'm walking by this restaurant. It was a French place, and um, all of a sudden, I was smacked in the face by what I saw, what, what looked like George and Judy Jetson dining bubbles. Have you seen these? Do you live in Manhattan or wherever you're living in the city? Do you live in a city? In Manhattan, some restaurants like this one has outdoor dining bubbles. So they're like these big, huge, clear, plastic, dome, globe-shaped tents. It's literally a tent. Clear, you know, so you can see through it. And there's a hole at the top. And um, and the restaurants, you know, so of course I saw this and I went over to the waitress and I'm like, what? What is this? And she's like, oh, these are dining bubbles. And I'm like, oh, you know, for COVID, obviously. And I'm like, well, how do you clean them? And she says that they sanitize them after every after every meal, you know, after every uh, party. And it, it's so cute. They're really cute looking. They're, they're really cute and kitschy. So I haven't taken my daughters there, but I think I might because it's kind of like going, I don't know, like kind of on a... Uh, to an, a theme park or something. Like you go to Epcot, you sit in teacups, well, go to the Upper West Side and sit in a Jetson bubble. The only thing, though, that um, the waitress told me, she probably shouldn't have said this, is that, uh, you know, they're very safe, they're 100% safe, but she said that, you know, you really do have to be careful with who you're going to these dining bubbles with because if somebody has COVID, God forbid, um, you know, you're, in tra- you're, you're trapped, you're encased in a plastic bubble. Anyway, the restaurant I walked by was called Cafe uh, Du Soleil. Is that even how you say it? Du Soleil? I don't know. It's like the Sun Cafe. Cafe Du Soleil. It was on Broadway and 104th. So, um, yeah, check it out. Or Google it. Outdoor Dining Bubbles, New York City. You'll, you'll see them. They're crazy looking. Anyway, okay, holiday recipe. So, like I said, First course, are you serving holidays? Well, let me just say this. Are you doing the holidays? Are you hosting? Or even if you're not hosting, you just want, you like, you know, do the recipes, like the recipes. I love it. I talked about tortellini soup, you know. If you're having a first course, you don't want to make a fuss. Or, you know, if you want to not, don't want to put a salad. Or, you know, Italian people sometimes, maybe they don't even doing a first course. They might just do an antipas, you know, like a cold antipas, excuse me. A hot antipas, you know, meats and cheeses and olives and that kind of thing. But... But if you really want to go super Italian-American and you sit down at someone's house, you know, in Brooklyn or Staten Island or maybe you're in Chicago, whatever, they might serve lasagna for the first course. That's right. That's right. So here it is, Thanksgiving. You got a 30-pound bird in the oven. You got a ton of sides. And you're, you're sitting down for your first little meal, your little bite of the meal. And it's a lasagna. Like, you get, you stuffed you stuffed into the first course. Who can eat turkey? But they do it. We do it. So it's good. So I'm going to tell you, this is how I uh, make lasagna. So I actually, my, my kids love meatballs. They love like spaghetti and meatballs. So I actually make my lasagna with meatballs in it. And I'm going to tell you how I do it. But if you, if you like this recipe, or if you don't make meatballs, if you don't want to make meatballs, just leave them out. It's still, it's still a... Uh, it's still good. Okay, so this is what you need. A big pot of sauce. You know, I don't. I, I make my own sauce. That I, I used canned tomatoes, so I, I use usually like two 28-ounce cans. I, you know, if I have a big pot of sauce. Um, one box of lasagna noodles. The ones I use are a Barilla oven-ready noodles. They don't have that sort of curly, wavy edge on the side. They're just straight, like rectangle-thin um, 
flat sheets. You need a tub of ricotta cheese, so like 14 ounces. You don't need the big, huge thing. Just 14 ounces of ricotta cheese, a half a cup of Parmesan cheese. You might want a little more for serving when you're serving the lasagna. Two packs of mozzarella, and, and you could do sliced mozzarella, which would be like eight-ounce packs, uh, or the shredded mozzarella. I, I just use, if you're using the, so if you're using the sliced mozzarella, you want two eight-ounce packs, unless you've got some jumbo pack or whatever. But I just usually use one bag of shredded mozzarella, 15-ounce, you know, you buy it in the cheese aisle. Um, and then I have about 15 to 20 meatballs, and I slice them, slice them up. So I don't put the whole balls in the lasagna, obviously. I just slice them up, um, you know, like like uh, one meatball and slice it up like four times or whatever. A couple tablespoons of olive oil and salt and pepper. That's it. That's all you need. Okay, so now listen. I'm not, I, don't, I'm, I don't do the bechamel sauce. I know some people do it. it. I don't have anything against it. I love it. If you're making me lasagna, I don't even give a shit probably what it tastes like or how you made it. I'm still eating it because I love all things lasagna. But I don't make the bechamel sauce. So this is, this is how I do it. I preheat the oven to 375, and I use a large um, clear Pyrex dish, the biggest one that I have. And so basically, it's this is like a game of repetition. So I take two ladles of the sauce. I put it down on the bottom of the Pyrex dish, and then I put a very light sprinkle of Parmesan cheese right on top of it. And then I take those uncooked lasagna sheets. I, I think it's about maybe three or four. I lay them next to each other, make the bottom layer, the first bottom layer of lasagna, and I slightly overlap them. And then I put, I spread a layer of ricotta cheese on. Then I spread a little sprinkle of the meatball slices on. Then the mozzarella, sprinkle the mozzarella on. And then I lay down another sheet of the lasagna noodles, add the sauce on top of those noodles. And then the same thing, light sprinkle of Parmesan cheese, then the ricotta, then your meatball slices, then your mozzarella, and you just keep repeating it until you're done. But on your very last sheet, so you don't, you maybe you'll get, you're probably going to get, like, you'll get, I don't know, like two layers of this thing. And on your last sheet, you're, when you put the last top lasagna noodles, all you're going to put on that is you're going to put the lasagna noodles, the ones that last sheet at the top, add sauce, layer of sauce, spread it all out, a little sprinkle of Parmesan cheese, and, um, and the, the mozzarella, that's it, just the shredded mozzarella right on the top, and that's all you do, that's how you prepare it, when I do this, I'm trying to think, I usually get, like I said, I think I get three, maybe four layers of, of lasagna, I think three, and then you're going to cover it loosely, like make a tent, make a tent with tin foil, and you're going to bake it in the oven for 45 minutes, now you have to make a tent, because if you put the tin foil on tight, the tin foil is going to stick to the top of the mozzarella, and it's going to wreck the whole thing. It's not going to wreck it. It's still going to be edible, but it's not going to be beautiful. So you have to tent up the foil. After the 45 minutes is done, you're going to take off the tin foil and you're going to bake it uncovered for another 20 minutes. And then what I do is in the last five minutes of baking, I turn the broiler on, which is inside, right inside my oven. It's not on the bottom or anything. And I just broil the top to get it nice and brown and, and golden. And it's so good. You got to let it rest for like an hour before you serve it. And that's it. You're done. Uh, and by the way, you can make this the day before or even two days before if you want. I make lasagna. So this is, you could do this, obviously. We're talking about this as a holiday recipe. But I make lasagna. I would say I make like one lasagna every couple weeks because my daughters love it. I, you know, I'll make it on a Sunday and it lasts. It lasts like throughout the week. So it's, uh, I keep it in the fridge and 
they're like, Mommy, why are we having lasagna again? I'm like, well, that, <laughs> that's what Mommy made, and it's delish. If you do it, let me know if you like it. Okay. Office romance. Have you had one of these? So, listen, a lot of people meet their partners at work, right? But, like, yet, it's so hilarious, like, dating in the office, everybody, like, frowns upon it, you know? Ridiculous. And, and by the way, and, you know, if you're at a big company, you know, you work at a corporate company, a lot of companies have policies against this, as you know. HR manuals, you know, don't, don't screw around with their employees, you know? But it's like, how, honest, but, you know, I, I get it. I get it. To keep decorum and no drama and keep a profesh, you don't want people dating in the office. But, like, if you're not doing the apps, how the hell else are you supposed to meet people? So many people meet their spouse at work. What, are you kidding me, HR? What if he's your soulmate or she? Like, you spend so much time at work and you put people in close proximity and they're working together and everybody's talking and you're having lunch together sometimes and you're having open serious conversations, sometimes heated conversations, lots of tension, the happy things, you're going out for the happy hour, you're celebrating birthdays. I'm sorry. You put all those things together, it's a pretty highly likely chance that people are going to have a little shagathon or get into a relationship with each other, right? I met my ex-husband at work. Um, I don't recommend. I was so young, but uh, he was my manager. So, but I wore, we worked in like a boiler room. But like, really, it was oh god, it was a crazy job. It was oh god, really fucking crazy. And if anyone's listening at that job that we worked at, hi, and you know how crazy it is. Literally, it was like Glen Gary, Glen Ross, but but not, but kind of. So anyway, I met him. He was my manager. It doesn't really matter that he was my manager because the whole place was sort of like not following the HR manual, if you know what I'm saying. But. At these big, more stringent companies, obviously, you know, you can't do that. But I, I mean, listen, I, he had just come from Australia, my ex-husband. He just come from, he moved to New York from Australia. I'm sitting at my desk all by my yonder, and this guy comes and sits down next to me. And, you know, single guy just moved here, and here I am, single girl. Actually, that's not true. I had a boyfriend, but that's, but that, my boyfriend was horrific, so it was on the way out. And one thing led to another. We got to talking. I dumped the boyfriend, and I was just living in the city, single girl, young, early 20s. And guess what? And guess what? We were just friends, you know, me and my ex-husband. For, we were friends for a couple years. But then after working together and yada, yada, one thing led to another. Maybe I flashed in my panties under the desk. <laughs> or not. I don't know. He might say I did. I, I can't <laughs> Anyway. TMI. Um. So, okay, a few of my friends work in HR, and they were like, at least there's do's and don'ts. There's really, like, do's and don'ts to dating in the office. You want to talk about that on your podcast? I'm like, I sure do. I sure do. So it's like, here's the do. Know the risks of getting involved in your office. I didn't think that, so I'm not checking that off of me. They say, familiarize yourself if your office has a company policy, at least, about dating in the office. I didn't do that either. And you should (laughs) And talk yourself through what would happen if the relationship doesn't work. Like, are you going to be coming in with a BB gun and putting it to his head and being like, you motherfucker, like, how dare you cheat on me and causing a big office spectacle? I didn't think about that either. But that's what they say are the do's. And then the don'ts, the don'ts, wait, I I wrote this down so I can remember all of them for you. They said, um... Don't pursue a coworker if you're not going to think about having a serious relationship with him. I get that. Or her. I get that. Like, there's so many people out there. Like, if you're only just looking to, like, fool around, like, why do it with a coworker and, you know, have it be awkward or whatever? They say don't 
if you're dating somebody at work, don't hide the relationship. I said, why? Why shouldn't you hide it? Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, go around and tell everybody in violation of your, your HR manual? They said, no. They said, don't tell. Don't tell everybody. Don't volunteer the information that you're in a relationship. But if somebody asks you, tell them yes. Tell them the truth. And just say you'd really appreciate it if you could keep it on the down low. And they said that if you lie and say we're not in a relationship, it's only going to erode their trust. So I get that, right? Like if your manager says, hey, you're dating Sam, you know, in cubes, cube section Q, you know, and you're like, no, well, you know, you just lied to your boss. And that, is he really going to trust you, you know, when you submit those numbers at the end of the week? Probably not. And the, the other thing that they said is whatever you do, don't have a relationship with somebody you report to. I failed that one, but... That's what they say, do's and don'ts. But, you know, here's this, and this is my opinion. If you're really with somebody, if you met somebody at work, which is totally likely, and you really like them, and you're crazy about each other, and everything seems great, and you're dating for like a year or whatever, do you leave your job? I don't know. I wound up leaving the company I was at. But it wasn't because that I was dating my ex in the office. That wasn't it. I just outgrew the company, and I wanted to move on. But... But listen, if you've been dating for a long time, and I have friends that have met at work and they date each other for a long time and they both love their job, it's a tricky situation. No, who want, no one wants to leave. But you have to think about, in my opinion, I think you have to think about like, is this person really going to stick around for the long run? Do you want them to stick around? Are you really investing your time to make it work? And if you do, you probably have to leave the job, right? One of you has to leave. The whole thing is a hairy mess, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you've met people at work. Of course you have. I mean, but it's all, it's all taboo and it's all psychotic. You can't talk about things and say certain things. Ugh. Ugh. Exhaust. Another exhaustion. Complete exhaustion. Okay. So. Do you use face oils by any chance? Literally every website I go on. Anything that I'm reading that has to do with skincare, beauty, people are talking about face oils. They're very in vogue. I <clears throat> I use some serums. I actually talked about a serum, um, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe like five or ten podcasts ago. It was called True Skin. I buy it on Amazon. I love it. But that's different than a face oil. So here I am reading all about face oils just as I'm casually browsing the World Wide Web as I do. And I'm thinking that... Face oils and serums, ah, same thing. And then I'm like, no, they're not. Oh, my God. So basically, I'm telling you that I'm a beauty product train wreck. So I went to my dermatologist, and um, I asked her what the difference was and between a serum and a face oil, and how do I use a face oil, and do I want to use a face oil, because I already have oily skin. So she told me all about it. And so so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share. So, okay, the serum, just so you know, just so we're all clear, because I, I had to get this info, the 411. The serum is the product that you put on after you clean your face, but before you put your face lotion on. So before you put your moisturizer on. And the serums that I learned is like literally if you want something with retinol in it or tea tree oil, when you put it on underneath, you know, after you clean your face, wash your face, clean your face. Like as if you're talking about cleaning the floor. How crazy. But after you wash your face and you, you know, you, you, you tap... Tap your serum on like that, and then, you know, you put your moisturizer on. The serum, those ingredients in the serum just sink into your skin, the tea tree, the, the, the retinoid, whatever. 
So that's that's what the serum does. But the face oil, it's like considered some emollient, she said. So basically it helps strengthen the outer layer of skin. I just nodded and smiled at that because, okay, it strengthens the outer layer of skin. Like, am I the Terminator? But okay, that's fine. But I, I, I need to be sold on it. So okay, this is what she tells me. Elise, you should try using face oil because as we get older, well, first she said your skin produces oiling that oil naturally. No surprise, right? Obviously, we know this. But she said, as we get older, the skin gets dry. We we the the oil production decreases. So you need oil in your skin to maintain the healthy balance. Otherwise, it gets dry and it causes breakouts and lines and wrinkles. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to? Why would I put oil on my already oily skin by 3 p.m.? I could fry an egg on my forehead, you know? But she said, trust me, just try it. I said, fine, whatever. So this is what she said. Face oils are unlike serums, because remember, serums go under your moisturizer. She said, face oils, how you use it is you wash your face, you tone your skin, you moisturize, put your lotion on, and then you put a drop or two of face oil on your face and just tap it on like that. She said, um, you know, and even if you don't use a toner, wash your face, put your lotion on, and then put the face oil. She said, only, she told me, at least only use a little bit of face oil. The bottle should last you forever because you're only using a tiny bit. And she said, you cannot. I said, well, what if I put the oil on before? I said, because I feel like I have stuff in my cabinet. I bought it. I don't know. Not the true skin. That's a serum. But other things, like I had the Kiehl's Midnight Recovery Oil. Have you tried that? Look that up. Kiehl's Midnight Recovery Oil. It has like 10,000 reviews. I bought it. Well, I'm such a dude to do. I'm putting this shit on my face like right after I wash it. I wound up totally breaking out. But this is probably because I was using it wrong. Because people really swear by that one. But she said, oil always, always should go on last. She said, if you put the oil on first, you're blocking anything else that wants to go on your skin. So if you put the oil on before your lotion, why the fuck are you putting your lotion on? You're just blocking blocking the fact that, you know, you, your, your lotion is not going to be, it's just going to slide off. It's not going to go into your skin. So I asked, I said, do I use the oils in the night or in the day? What's the deal? And she said, look, she said, you don't have to use them twice a day. She said, for you, I would use it at night. She said, but if you want to do it in the morning, she said, you can. And once you put your makeup on, which, so let me just say this to you, because here's the tricky part. She, which, ugh, this is just too much work for me. Isn't it, it's just too much work for you? It's too much work for me. She said, you clean the skin, you tone the skin, you put your moisturizer on, then you put your face oil on, and then you put your SPF on. SPF always comes after the oil, she said. And then you put your makeup on. And she said that it really makes your makeup, uh, it makes your makeup look great. She said it makes you look like you have a natural hydrated glow. So listen, if you're if you're a lady and you have dry skin, you're older, you want to, you know, I think, I think this is worth trying. So, you know, she said, of course, Elise, though, it's nice to try oils and serums and all this stuff. She's like, but the most important thing is putting sunscreen on your face every single day. I said, noted, fine. Do you use face oils? Do you like them? I don't know. I bought the Kiehl's Midnight Recovery Oil because I feel like I was bullied into it in the store. I was a really, really aggressive sales girl downtown. You should buy this. It's a bestseller. And I should have just been smart and asked her for a sample because I give you samples in Kiehl's, but I didn't. So, I don't know. I'm going to maybe try it. 
those are the instructions. I have them written down, the whole mishigas on which the steps to put it on. The reality situation is I'm a single mom. I got two kids. I'm working. I'm working. I, 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 you know, I'm lucky if I just wash my face and slap on some lotion and, and, and some concealer, you know, and some lip liner, and I'm out. But I, but I should. I'm going to try the oil. I am. Okay. Products. I was in H&M the other day. And for $35, they're selling a shoulder padded sweatshirt. And you know what I have to say about that? That'll be a no from me, dog. Okay? <laughs> I want nothing to do with a shoulder padded sweatshirt. I don't care if it's free or $35 or $35,000. I am not Dynasty. I am not in the, the, the sitcom Dynasty. Was Delta Burke in that? Was she in Dynasty? Can't remember. I like that show. But anyway. But here, here is here is my product for this week. Now brace yourself, okay? Because this is this is a little bit it's a little bit highfalutin. My favorite Stubbs and Wooten slippers. Okay, this is the thing. They are velvet. They are velvet smoking slippers. I know. And wait, you're gonna die. Here's the price: five hundred dollars. Okay, before you keel off your chair, here's the thing. I buy them on sale a couple times a year. Stubbs and Wooten, they go on sale, and they're maybe like 200 or 250 Still a ridiculous amount to spend on a pair of shoes. I have two pairs. I have had them for 10 years. They are still good. I get them resold. They are actually more than 10 years. They are amazing. Here's the thing. And yes, by the way, I am still the girl that talks about Hadala Wet n Wild lip liner that I find at CVS. Okay? Yes, Ashante. But you know what? Sometimes we need a little luxury. And you know what luxury is to me? Besides a ho-ho or a zing-dong, I like handmade velvet slippers that are comfortable, that have witty, embroidered things on the top of them, quirky pictures, embroidered sayings like martini glasses or the head of a cheetah, or they have the ones that with one slipper has a picture of a screw and the other picture has a picture of a horseshoe in the you know, shape of a U. AKA slippers that say screw you. I know, not classy, but I like them. They're like, you know, witty and 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 creepy and crazy and whimsical all at the same time. All for a price. <laughs> I have no business buying anything of the sort. And I really don't. Only when they're on sale, which so basically what I'm saying is I buy a pair of velvet slippers in the summer. I well, I did twice, and they are wonderful. And if you like this look. Look, Google them, Stubbs and Wooten. If you like this look, they started in Palm Beach uh, like 20 years ago. Now they have stores uh, around. Small, small, small little boutique store. But you know what? They're beautiful. And I think you know what they look like because they were very popular a few years ago. They came, they came popular. They came popular. But you want to know what? Why shouldn't I dress like a lady who lunches and she looks like she wears a silk smoking robe and dashing velvet smoking slippers? That's what I like, right? So that's that. That's that. But you know, I. But you probably were wondering. Oh, all this talk of face oil. She's gonna tell us about a face oil recommendation. I do have one, and it's what my girlfriend's like. I haven't tried this. Um, it's expensive. One and two. That Kiehl's Midnight Recovery Oil like wrecked my skin, and I'm still recovering from the mental and emotional disaster that it caused. Um. The brand is Sunday Riley, Sunday like the day Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. The oil is called CEO Glow, vitamin C and turmeric face oil. It's $40. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it at Sephora. Um, 
basically, my friend said, it has, it's a face oil with vitamin C on, in it, vitamin C, and turmeric, you know, which is that spice that helps inflammation. And they say that um, it basically makes your skin bright and hydrated and leaves you glowing. And they said if you have dark spots or your texture of your skin is funny or your skin is dry, this is a miracle product, that is it. Sunday Riley, CEO Glow, vitamin C, and turmeric face oil. Again, I haven't used it. I'm also not in the market to buy $40 face products, just so you know, as I just told you about $500 slippers. But, and by the way, these aren't slippers for the house. These are slippers for outside, just to clarify. Um, <clears throat> but that's that. Question from the audience. You know, by the way, I'm, I'm feeling like a little nasal. I think... I hope I'm not coming down with something. Like, my voice is extra nasally. So when I get um, a cold, I get, like, extra stuffed up. I, I feel that that's, that's the sound right now. Okay. Question. Elise. Let me, let me, I have right here. Okay, I wrote it down. I asked my ex between one and five, how much would it bother you if we were to stop talking completely? He wrote 3.5. That kicked me in the stomach. Do you think I'm overreacting? Elise, I'm very upset about this. We actually still speak every day or every couple days, but we haven't seen each other. That 3.5 number really upset me. What do you think? Okay. This is what I think. Number one, that's a lot of math for me. From one to five and then a 3.5, my head's popping off. But you left out some crucial pieces of information I want to point out. How old are you both? Do you have kids? No kids? Were you married? Divorced? Were you dating for a minute? Were you dating for 25 years? I, I feel like I need that background because this is why. But I'm going to answer kind of both ways since I don't know it. If you divorce with kids, you have to speak. Well, unless you're my parents, then you don't have to. But my father passed away. God rest his soul. But yeah, if you listen, if you divorce and you have children or if you're not divorced and you have kids, you have to speak, right? So... You know, listen, if he's saying uh, 3.5, I don't mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're divorced from this man and you have kids and he's saying, I don't really want to talk to you I, on a scale of one to five, do I, would I want to not talk to him and he's giving you a 3.5, if you have kids with this guy, ugh, I would keep that communication to a strict minimum of only and solely about the kids because that would hurt my feelings. But if you don't have kids and you were never married, or, you, you know, whatever. Or, you know, whatever. Just if you're not married, you have no kids. Basically, that's the gist. If it's none of the above, and you're talking every couple of days, maybe you can work it out. I mean, you're obviously both getting something out of talking every couple of days, right? I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong. Like, are you talking about the weather? Are you talking about the election? Are you sharing complaints? Like, you know, like, for example, like me. Like, I call my boyfriend. You know, that pastrami sandwich I had was so dry and I'm miserable today because of it. <laughs> I don't do that all day long to him sometimes. But um, if that's the kind of stuff you're talking about, politics, you know, the weather, complaining to him, um, you know, as much as that kind of talk is monotonous, monotonous or like some people would say drivel, may actually say that. What are you saying drivel? And I think that's a British word. But as long as, as, as much as that's, that shit's monotonous, that's kind of like a real life relationship. Boring as sin, talking about all the boring going-ons in each other's day, if that's the kind of talking that you're doing every couple days, maybe you guys, maybe there's something worth salvaging. And by the way, if you haven't seen each other in a while, it can be a little hot, 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 no? So you're talking every couple days, you haven't seen each other, well, you might get together, maybe the chemistry will be there still, you know? 
But but here's the deal. This is this is my summation of the whole thing. If you are talking to him, and you have no kids with this guy, and you are married, you have no reason to talk to him. Kids are the only reason I feel like, unless you're still in love with him or or you were trying to get back together. You're angling. If you're talking to him and you don't have kids, and he's telling you that he doesn't care if you stop talking, fuck him. Fuck him, Connie. You don't need his sorry ass, okay? Because guess what? There's tons of men in the sea for you. And I believe that. I really do. And I'm telling you just exactly as I would tell my girlfriend. And I know your name's not Connie. I feel like I say, I just throw out a few names like Connie and Donna. Those are my names when I talk to my friends. What are you doing, Donna? What are you talking about, Connie? I just like those names. Anyway, if a guy's telling you he doesn't give a shit if you don't talk anymore, a 3.5, whoa, well. You go west and I'm going east, baby. I want nothing to do with you anymore. That's what I would do. That's my opinion. I'm not an expert. I'm just a stand-up comic living in corporate America as a mother on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, juggling lots of stuff, giving you my POV, point of view. Okay, quote of the day is by Steve Jobs. I like this quote. The only way to do great work is to love what you do. And if you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Do not settle. Okay. And for you, my friend, who's talking to our ex, who does not care if he talks, don't settle. Even if you like him and you have no kid, don't settle on him. So the only great work you do is, according to Steve Jobs, is you have to love it. And if you haven't found it yet, keep looking. And I think that applies to work. And I think that applies to romantic relationships. Just don't fucking settle. I love that. So that's all for today's episode of the Elise DeLucci Show. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to sing a thank you outro to you, but if you think this voice can sing, we're all kidding ourselves. So make sure you review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or tell your friends, oh, I love reviews. I love them. It's what is, Who is it? Roxy Hart in Chicago says, oh, the audience loves me and I love them and we love each other and that's because we never got enough love in our childhood. And that showbiz kid. That's how I feel about reviews. Anyway, so you can review it on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on TikTok or follow me on, on uh, Spotify. On Spotify. Spotify. And that's it. And I will talk to you next time. Ciao, baby. Ciao, baby.